You know, sometimes even the best laid plans uh, don't work out like you'd expect. And um, <clears throat> for instance, at the 9.30 service today, they were singing All Is Well, but they had a problem, so they had to start, stop and start over twice. So I came up to tease them, and I was going to, you know, to console them, I mean. And so I, on my way up, I tripped on the step, <laughs> landed on the stage. It was pretty funny. And uh, fortunately, nobody was hurt except my pride. And then this week was Thanksgiving, as you know. And, well, at our house, this was going to be the first year without my dad alive. He passed away in January. And we also had three new babies, which you just saw one of them in 2019. So we said, let's do something brand new. Let's stay in Orange County and let's gather the Thai guys here and we'll eat, play, hold babies, change diapers, nap, and start over. And uh, that will be our routine. And uh, so that was the plan. And everybody got here by Wednesday afternoon. So Wednesday night, we got together and we ate supper together. We talked about what a great day Thanksgiving was going to be. Well, the next morning, you remember, it was raining. But then we got uh, uh, texts from every house said, there's people sick here. And over half of the people who were sick couldn't answer the bell to get out of bed. We had sickies in all three houses. Who could, some of them could hardly lift their heads off their pillows or hold any food down. It's a, they were even too sick to text. So we never left the house. Whatever house you were in, stay there. Keep the sickness there. We never gathered as a family. We never ate Thanksgiving together. We all cooked. You know, There was stuff that we were going to bring all together. Uh, finally, in the middle of the afternoon, um, my daughter, darling daughter and I cut a, a hacked a piece off the turkey and had that and some stuffing. Figured we got it done. And, and the survivors were texting to each other progress reports during the day and then kind of making a track from the laundry room to the kitchen sink to the sickies to the laundry room to the kitchen sink to the sickies. So anyway, sometimes the best laid plans don't work out like you'd expect them to. So welcome to Christmas season. Have you got your Christmas plans underway? Because they might change. You know, there's only 24 days till Christmas, and uh, we're going to enjoy this little series that we're calling Declare His Glory, Let Heaven and Nature Sing. We're looking at people in the Bible that, or, you know, either um, the angels or people that God so inspired that they spoke out, and uh, here's why we're going to declare His glory. Here's why we're going to celebrate, because God is so in love with you. He's been in love with you your whole life. I mean, he loves every person he ever created, and he reaches out to express his love in a particular situation, in a particular way. So each week uh, in this series, we're going to look at stories in the Bible where God sends a messenger with a message from heaven. And it comes to somebody, and instead of immediately just filling them with joy, which it could, um, it's kind of an interruption in the life of the intended receiver. And so often there's this shock of, oh my goodness, what's happening? And um, it's, uh, they, they didn't see it coming. Now, it might be the best news ever, but it takes a while for the recipient to receive it and process it and realize that this is good news. So there's often fear of the unknown, and yet God has been at work uh, for good, and God is a good God. So how else do you think he would get his good news injected into the world except to break in? And uh, so God is still working in every person in our world. And uh, some of the ones that he talks to he and uses, they have sought out a relationship with God. They've walked with God for a long time. They know God well. Others, God just shows up and makes his announcement. And uh, uh, they get very fearful. And so then they get told, don't be afraid. 
And so then after scrambling around a while to understand and process all this information, and then they finally get their wits about them, which is usually about the time the moment is over. And then they have to choose, how do I respond to God? And uh, they, uh, they generally respond giving glory to God in their actions. And it's a process. So if, if you're in one of those right now, because you might be, God still uses the same process, don't get stuck in the, in the shock. Don't get stuck in the fear. God's speaking because he's got something for your good. So the first declaration that we want to look at today comes uh, from God. It was delivered by God's right hand. It was not a man. He's a right-hand angel, I guess, named Gabriel. And he went to an anonymous teenage girl in Nazareth, who we know now was named Mary. And it's in Luke chapter 1. So if you want to turn there with me, Luke 1. If you want to read up on Christmas materials, it's really Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. And Luke 1, verse 26, says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Remember, David had been the greatest king ever of Israel. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, Mary's life plan certainly got interrupted and set aside. Mary was a virgin. She had lived a pure and disciplined life. And she was waiting for the right person uh, to find into Mary. And she had found him. His name was Joseph. And he proposed to her. And they were engaged. And leaving her family of origin and getting married and then starting their own home and family uh, with Joseph was the biggest changes she ever anticipated in her life or so she thought. And then this angel shows up out of thin air with this announcement, you're carrying somebody's baby. And even the best laid plans don't always work out like you'd expect. I mean, what are you going to do? So Mary had big plans for her life, but God had bigger, better plans to use Mary to help save the whole world. God's plans included Mary. So the first point I want to make here is God is always working and God is always working for good. So there's a whole lot that we aren't told and we don't know, but we do know that God chose to create and he created the universe and our world in particular because he wanted a voluntary love relationship. He wanted people to choose to love him, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. So he gave the first people that he created who were perfect. He gave the first perfect people free choice, knowing that sooner or later, somebody would choose sin. And this would cause separation and death. And those would enter the world and become reality. So before God ever set it in motion, the, he had a plan of salvation before he ever even created the world. It's recorded in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter said this. He, that's Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. God's plan from the beginning, up in heaven, where he's surrounded by heavenly beings, angels, God's plan was to send his son into this world as a baby, to grow up, to live a sinless life, to get to, to tell the word of God, to gather followers around him, and then to die on the cross that would atone for human sin. So God had given clues along the way 
of what things were going to look like. But this plan that it was going to arrive as a he was going to arrive as a baby, and his name would be Jesus. That plan wasn't a, a, a revealed until the angel Gabriel shows up here to talk to Mary. Now, angels are messengers. They're servants of God in heaven. Seems like most of their job would be standing around waiting until God gave them something to do on his behalf. And we only know the names of about two angels in the Bible. The rest, I mean, and there was a host of them. They've, they're all kind of anonymous to us. But probably the most famous one is named Gabriel. And that means man of God in Hebrew. And his usual assignment was to stand near the throne of God and to wait for orders from God. So Gabriel actually first shows up in the Bible, in our scriptures, in the life of who? Anybody know? Huh? I heard, it's not Zechariah. It's not Abraham. Daniel. Very good. Well done. It's in Daniel 9.23, which I thought was pretty impressive because it's not, he didn't show up to Abraham, even though Abraham was the father of the nation. He didn't show up to Moses, even though Moses gave the law. He didn't show up um, to King David, but he shows up to Daniel, who had been taken as a young person, as a captive from the city of Jerusalem when it was obliterated by Babylon, taken as a captive to Babylon, lived there in exile his entire life, kind of as a solitary believer. It didn't seem to have a whole support system around him, but he would pray pray to God several times every day. It was his lifelong discipline, and God honored his commitment. So here he is, this person who stands for his faith and his belief in God, and he stands alone most of the time, standing you know, with people giving him ridicule or envy or gossiping behind his back or schemers or trying to take him down with evil. And I mean, he dared, like the song, there used to be a song, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose true. Dare to make it known. Some of you might find yourself in a situation like that where because of your faith, you are ostracized. You are singled out. Stand. Because this scripture will help you. Daniel 9.20. Daniel says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. The, hill, the holy hill would be this, where the city of Jerusalem had been, but it had been obliterated in his life. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. Now, they didn't have airplanes or things flying through the sky other than birds, so to see a person coming in swift flight must have been quite impressive uh, to Daniel. It said, he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. In other words, God heard your prayer and sent something out to say, go down and talk to him. And I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. The, the, the picture of here's a guy that's standing alone in this world, but he is greatly loved where it really matters most, in the presence of God by God. He's greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. In other words, let's not be so focused here that we think everything is here. Keep your eye on the prize, a relationship with God. Because the angel Gabriel would stand in the presence of God and then go deliver a specific message to a certain person. Look what da Gabriel shared with Daniel, which would also be true for you today. Number one. God gives you insight and understanding, gives you all the insight and understanding you need to live out your faith, even when life is hard. Even when life is hard. Some of you teenagers in school and other people are going to pick on you because of your faith. Recognize that when your life is hard, God still gives you insight and understanding.
to live that faith. Number two, God hears your prayers. He hears our cries for help. And number three, you are greatly loved by God. So one day God calls Gabriel and says, Gabe, i got a job for you to do. Now, this, it wasn't, they didn't bother to record this in the Bible, but I'm just sure it happened just like this. He says, look, at, he says, I, I got a plan. We're going to send the Savior into the world, and it's about time we got around to it. And so I'm, I'm going to send Jesus, and he's actually going to be born as a baby. And he, the, the mother is going to be this virgin down in the little city of Nazareth, and her name is Mary. So I want you to go find her and announce this to her and give her the good news and so she can begin preparing her heart to be used as, as this conduit of God's blessings for the entire world. Gabe says, got it. Whoosh, flies out of there. All right, so the world's living in darkness, without light, hopelessly lost, and then God's messenger bursts into the heart and life of this unknown teenage girl in Nazareth. And it's in Luke 1, 28. He says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And I always imagine that, that Gabriel, you know, is kind of, well, he's not ever delivered a message this important before, and he's not used to talking to women, and so I think he's a little nervous, and he's speaking uncomfortably loud for everybody in the situation. And uh, he, he doesn't know how to get the conversation really started, uh, you know, like this, so he scares her. Greetings, oh, favorite one, the Lord's with you. Well, she's greatly troubled instantly as soon as she sees him. And uh, so it created quite a scene. As we're looking at this section, though, I want you to see that God is always working, and he's always working for good. And he sends his angel on a specific mission to a devout young woman who happens to be from a royal family. And she's engaged to Joseph, who also is from the royal family. And so he, the angel greets the Virgin Mary, probably scaring the wits out of her just by showing up in her space. And we're not given any of those details either. Is she washing dishes at the kitchen sink? Is she helping fold laundry? Is she sitting on her bed resting? Is she making a long list of exciting details to take care of for her wedding planning? We don't know. And none of it seemed to matter. Uh, to uh, Dr. Luke to write it down because the news that Gabriel the angel brought was so big that everything else faded by comparison. His big news, you are favored by God and you are going to have a child. You know, sometimes big news brings big fear. It brings shock, not joy at first. And that was probably that way in Mary's life. I would guess that her life was predictable and it was kind of boring. And the biggest thing that was ever going to happen was getting married to Joseph. And so somebody explained to me once, there are times that boring is good. I don't know if you ever thought that way. This was a business owner. He says, I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm kind of bored, and I think of something new, and I go out to my team, and I say, hey, I would like you all to try this. So they stop doing what they're doing for me, which is making me lots of money, and they go work on the thing that I've asked them to. And when I figured out that I was getting in my own way, I finally stopped doing that, sat at my desk, and just read my Bible when I was bored and prayed. Because boring is good when everything's working your way. So if you're bored and things are good, <laughs> stay out of your own way. See, big news can bring big fear. A couple weeks ago, I was playing tennis. We finished in the morning, right just down here on Del Abispo at the community center, and then I went to the gas station. I get to the gas station. I get to the pump. I thought I had my phone in one pocket and my wallet in another, and I pull out. I only have my phone. 
So I go back to the car and I search through the car and I search through my sweatshirt and I look through everything. It's not their thing. Maybe I dropped my wallet between the court and the, and the car. So I race back over there before some homeless person, you know, finds it on the ground. And I, I'm over there. I'm looking all around. It's nowhere to be found. It's not on the court. It's not on the walk. It's not where I parked. I said, maybe I lost it at the gas station. I race back to the gas station. I pull into the same pump I was at before. By now, another car is pulled into the other pump. I walk around the side of the car and there is my wallet on the ground. It's been alone for at least 10 minutes. Yeah, big fear. Think about it. All your identification, everything, right? I mean, we can get petrified when something big happens or when there's bad news or when changes occur that we didn't choose or when there's a diagnosis from a doctor or when there's plans to move your church to a new location or, you know, the, uh, the possibility of a big job change or on and on and on and on. Big news means big fear, but relax. God is still in control and God is at the center of those changes and he's working his plans into our lives. Just trust him. Put him in charge and follow him. So the angel says to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to, the, to him the throne of his father, King David. King David had been, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Do you remember David was king about 1,000 B.C., and he was promised by God, your throne will last forever. Forever is a long time. Well, David was king, and then about two more kings, and because of sin, the kingdom was broken into two, and the first half died in 722 B.C., and then the other half was taken into captivity in 586 B.C., so there was still somebody who was of the royal line, but they weren't serving as king. Now along comes this prophecy that says Jesus, who's from that line, because Mary and Joseph were both from that family, somebody is going to become king, and he is going to reign forever. When Mary got over, survived the shock uh, of seeing the angel face to face, Gabriel gave her the five factoids, at least, that are kind of critical right here. Number one, verse 31, you will conceive and bear a son. Give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus means Savior. Mary, you're going to have a baby. It will be a boy. Name him Jesus. He is the Savior. He will be your Savior, Mary. He will grow to, to, to live and then to die for you, and to, his atoning sacrifice will cover your sin along with every other person in the world. I mean, a Savior's been promised for thousands of years, the Messiah, but nobody had heard his name, Jesus, until it's given to Mary. Verse 32, he will be great. Well, that's true, but such an understatement goes on to say, he will be called the Son of the Most High God. He is God. He will reign from the throne of his father, King David. God is fulfilling his promise to David. God always keeps his promises. You can trust that. And then verse 33, he will reign over Israel. He will be the King of kings and the Lord of the universe. Well, big news, you get past the fear, bring news brings a lot of questions. Wow, I mean, I think Mary did a pretty good job getting through all of this, but it's kind of a lot to be landed all in your lap all at once. It is worth getting excited about. I mean, has God ever asked you to do something that caught you off guard, took you by complete surprise? You never saw it coming? It changed the plans for your life? I'm guessing that Mary had a million questions. You know, when is this going to happen? How will I tell my mother? How do you think Joseph's going to take to it? Um, why me? Is it going to hurt? Um, who knows about this? But Mary asked her first and most obvious question. She said, 
How is this going to be? I'm a virgin. I mean, that's good, I think. She isn't doubting. She's smart. She's not doubting and saying, now, how do I know you're telling me the truth? She's asking a pretty practical, technical question. She says, I know the basics of how it takes cooperation between a male and a female to produce a baby. How This is going to be different. You're saying, how is God going to accomplish this? And the angel honored it and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child to be born with you will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your Elizabeth relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is in the sixth month with her who was called barren. Once again, this could be an overload. I mean, getting her question answered could have opened more questions than it answered. Look at God's Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. There will be a certain privacy, a veil of secrecy or mystery in how God works. But this child, Mary, will be fully human because he is your son. And he will also be fully God because the Holy Spirit is the Father. So your baby boy will be the Holy Son of God. He will be one of a kind. Never happened before. It will never happen again. You know, sometimes we question God. And the explanation we get only causes more questions. In fact, I heard somebody this week said, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, and they filled in their question. Well, if you want to do that, that's fine. Make a list. Put it on paper. Take it with you. <laughs> because when you get there and you stand before God and his awe is just so overwhelming and you see him for who he truly is and you, he looks at you and he goes, okay, now what was that question that was really bothering you? Where was it that you got your feelings hurt or your heart broken, or you failed to trust me. What, what did you want to ask? What can I clear up for you? What are you going to say, do you think, really, at that moment? You're going to go, never mind. <laughs> it is so infinitesimally insignificant. And you, you realize, I didn't need to let my, my, my love wane. I, I, I didn't need to, to doubt. I didn't need to get my feelings hurt. I didn't need to have my heart broken. Just trust Jesus. He's a gift, and he loves you. Just follow him. And really what's going on right here, this really in Mary's life is a call to live by faith. A call to live by faith. The angel concludes, nothing is impossible with God. This is a God thing, Mary. God's at work in you. God will take care of the details. I know it's a crisis from your point of view, but set aside your plans and just go with God's plan. He's got a plan. He's inviting you to be one of his partners. God is providing a savior for the whole world. He's providing a sacrifice for all human sin. And he wants the world to know the same message that he gave Daniel. You are dearly loved. You are loved by God. So just say yes. Give your life to Jesus. Jump into God's plan with both feet. Let God work out the difficulties and the challenges. And that's what Mary did. Mary said yes to live by faith. And she didn't have answers to all her questions yet. She said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She didn't know how this would change her life, but she knew that it would, and she still said yes. She didn't know what it would cost, but Mary knew God, and she believed God. She said yes, yes to whatever God wanted in her life. All generations have called her blessed. You know, you can't give a better gift this Christmas than giving your heart to Jesus. Just completely, just say, God, whatever you want in my life, the answer is yes in advance. Blank check. Do with me what you want. I mean, think about it. Do you think Mary's life got instantly better 
or worse? How many would say, it probably got better? How many think, I know it got worse? <laughs> it sure did. It got a lot harder. First off, her fiancé was, uh, was going to reject her. He wanted nothing to do with this. I can't believe. She wants, still wants to marry me, and she's having somebody else's baby. He was going to call the whole thing off and not get married until God intervened and sent an angel and said, Joseph, she's a righteous woman. She has maintained her purity. This is a God thing happening in her life. Then when she's nine months pregnant, because now they're married, they have to race to Bethlehem about 50 miles. Don't nine-month pregnant women stay home? I mean, she shouldn't have been traveling. They get there. The baby's imminent. There's nowhere to stay. Her baby's born in a barn. Then they've finally got a little space to stay because they're going to stay there and do some healing. And she's singled out by a caravan of wise men. You know, that's not the kind of attention any introvert wants or craves. And then they get this message from an angel, race to Egypt, get going. Somebody's trying to take the life of your baby, and they have to race down to Egypt to save her baby's life. Finally, they get to move back home to Nazareth, where they grow up. And when Jesus starts his ministry as a young person, about 30 years old, he comes home and he preaches his very first sermon in Nazareth. It goes so poorly, they get so mad, they actually want to throw him off of a cliff. There's a whole rejection by the city of Nazareth of Jesus. He leaves town, but Mary doesn't. She and the rest of the family stay there and endure the rejection because of Jesus. There was constant scrutiny by the public during Jesus' ministry. And then the last, uh, two last little pictures, one is she's standing at the foot of the cross. Her heart is broken. She's watching her beloved son suffer and die. Well, then after that, when he came back from the dead, of course, she's part of the new church, early church. She's one of the followers, the believers of the Jesus way. But the persecution was so intense, uh, the apostle John actually took her and moved out of the country. They moved to Ephesus just to avoid the persecution of all the believers. Mary was challenged by God to live a life of faith. She was given a challenge, a promise. She was given a name, the name Jesus. You know, the name Jesus is above every other name. The Bible says in Philippians 2, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Nothing is impossible with God. You know, sometimes our best laid plans don't work out. And yet God is in the midst of what's happening. So to live a life of faith without all the answers in advance, to know that you have found favor with God, that nothing is impossible with God, you don't have to be afraid because God is so in love with you. He has been your whole life. He's got plans. What he wants is a voluntary love relationship with you. And that's why he gave Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice so that that love relationship is possible because of Jesus, shall we pray. Dear God, in your word is good news. Knowing Jesus is good news. Sometimes it takes us off what we thought of as our plan. Sometimes we have to submit ourselves to you. But I thank you that you have given yourself for us. You have offered your life. You've paid with your own blood for the sacrifice of our sin. And you have atoned so that we are declared righteous in God's sight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Even now as we enter into this time to take communion and remember and respond, just by taking this communion, we are saying, we love you. You be in charge. Live in and through us. Amen.